Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. This podcast is an interview with Jonathan Kiley of Flyskins, F-L-Y-S-K-I-N-Z dot com. I'm a big fan of the patterns that Jonathan produces with his materials. I've been following him on social media and seeing his products coming out in the last couple of years through Hairline Dubbin. I wanted to get his story, so here it is. There is one little bit that was edited out. Don't worry, you're not missing out on the inside joke, but you'll find yourself laughing regardless. And this podcast is brought to you by risenfly.com, quality fly fishing gear that will rival the big companies but keep some extra money in your pocket. Rods, reels, lines, accessories and so much more. Risenfly produces the best Fly tying beads I know of, and their double-sided silicone floating dry fly box is amazing. You definitely need some of those. If I'm going to endorse somebody on this podcast, it's for a reason, and that fly box is my jam. Here's the podcast with Jonathan Kiley. All right, so tonight we have Jonathan Kiley, and Jonathan, where are you checking in with us? Uh, right now, I'm down in uh, Valdosta, Georgia. Okay. If we were going to throw a dart at Georgia, where would that land? That'd be right in the center, pretty much. I think it's about 20 miles from the Florida line, to be honest with you. Wow. All right. There's a band about where you live, right? Uh, which which one's that one? Well, Jeb Bush would call it, call it the Florida Georgia line. Oh, okay. I don't know much about country, but I know he made a mistake. And <laughs> since it's radio, we don't we can't see you. What, do you have a... There used to be a radio show in D.C. They always ask for people, celebrity doppelgangers. Is there someone you look like that we can picture in our mind while we're talking? Dang, that's a tough one. Um, I say I look like the wet bandit guy from Home Alone, the tall one. <laughs> someone said I look like, um, I can't really think of him right now. I remember the movie was from The Universal Soldier. What was that guy? Dolph Lundgren? No, no. Jean-Claude no, the- Van Damme? No, no, it was the... Um, IMDb it. Yeah, I can't remember what Universal it is. Universal Soldier. Uh, Kurt something? Kurt Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but uh, we'll go with that. <laughs> so that works for me. All right, so I want to start me off at the beginning. How did you how'd you get into fly fishing? Is it part of like where you grew up? Is it, was it... Did you start with a worm first, like a lot of people? 
Uh, no, I actually, so I was a, I was a young kid and, um, my dad was a man of principle, so to speak. And I, we lived in Pennsylvania, um, on the, on the Western side of North of Pittsburgh. And, um, he started with like telling me, you got to learn the basics first. And so it started one summer, I think when I was about eight years old and I tied a sucker spawn, which is, um, I think there's another fly called like the crystal meth or something right now. Uh-huh. And it looks like an egg pattern, but this one in particular was made with uh, Angora rabbit yarn. And um, I just remember there was a pale yellow color. That was like, that was the ticket right there. And um, you just basically drift it. And, um, you know, the opening, there's, there's a season for trout up in Pennsylvania, you know, opening day of trout season. And then we'd, we'd go out and I think it, just so happened to be at around the same time when the the um, the rainbow trout were spawning as well. It's right around early April, so and the rainbows yep. would be dropping eggs. Yep, and not to mention they were honed in a lot of. Um, most of those were stock trout for the most part, and uh, you know they ate a lot of egg-like patterns, so to speak, already, or, or I mean um, the pellets. And have you gone steelhead fishing with that pattern ever? Uh, honestly, no, I, haven't had, I haven't had a really good chance to, uh, to steelhead fish when I lived there. Um, I know my father did a lot of that after after my sister and I left the house, so he, he got to get out and enjoy fishing a little more after we we, uh, we moved on to different things. So, All right, and now for visual aids, I want to start talking about you know, what it is you do. Is fishing your full-time or is it your... Is this what you do on the side? Uh, this is something I do on the side right now. Uh, I would love to make it a full-time thing. Uh, you know, it's a very tough industry. Uh, if it was traditional fishing, it might be a little bit different. The, the fly fishing industry is picking up to a point where, you know, I know a lot of guys make it a, a living, um, and that's the ultimate goal, to be honest with you. I, I, I think that uh, the, the size of the notebook that I have with the ideas in it, I could – I could probably make that happen. Uh, but that transition, it, it can be kind of scary sometimes, you know. Um, you just never know what's going to happen. Right. So, so eventually one day I'm hoping I'll make the jump. And for those that want to follow along visually, again, there's no pictures here. What is your website that they can start following as we talk? Okay, so uh, it's flyskinswithaz.com. And... Um, Basically, my site is an information site, and what I like to do, since I'm essentially the manufacturer uh, for the materials that I have distributed through Hairline Dubbin, I try to provide as much information as I can, uh, whether it be you know pictures of flies or YouTube videos that I connect through there. Um, even for shops, I provide like the codes that people would use to order it through Hairline. Um, I try to keep it up to, up to date as much as possible just so that folks can see the types of materials I have. And then I also try to tie tons of different flies uh, with each type of material to show the diversity of it. You seem to put out a new pattern every time you know, I check you on Instagram. You're quite <laughs> prolific. Thank you. Yeah. So fly skins, how did that come about? Are you just naturally a creative person? You've been tinkering with materials for a while. Yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. Um, you know, I've always loved building things, you know, even as a kid. And I just go, my dad was a tinker, so to speak, as well. And uh, he taught me all kinds of cool stuff when I was a kid with, um, you know, electricity and wood tools and welding and, you know, working on cars and all kinds of stuff. So I've been fortunate enough to uh, to learn a lot of stuff at an early age, more out of necessity than anything sometimes. And um, I feel like my dad's like a MacGyver, so to speak, and that, it kind of runs in the family now. And you know, after you work with so many different things, sometimes when you when you see a problem, um, for me, some I don't want this to sound uh, arrogant, but I feel like. Problems are, are like a thing that I thrive on. I like finding solutions for things, and I and I feel like the experience that I've had in my life, it makes it a little bit easier. When, at what point were you like, you know what, this fly could use a little something extra, and then you were just going to say, all right, I'm taking my background 
and <laughs> making things and fixing. And when did you all of a sudden have that light bulb over your head? You know, I, I really think that happened um, when I was, I was actually making lures. I decided one day I was going to make lures. And um, th- this is the kind of a thing that I have, or maybe maybe a problem, so to speak. I, uh, I'll wake up one morning, I'll get an idea, and I'll just... I'll just go with it. I'll, I'll get whatever piece of equipment I need, and then I just start just start plugging away at something. Um, and for the for the fly stuff, when I really got hooked on how I could start solving problems with fly fishing, or for other folks, where uh, I was tying for a guide down in, in uh, Oahu, uh, Mike Hennessy. He's a pretty well known uh, fly guide down there. He flies back and forth to Christmas Island, and wow, he he hit me up on Facebook and. He's like, hey, I don't, I don't remember where I met you or whatever. And, uh, he mentioned that he needs a big fly for GTs, and I just so happened to have fished for GTs in the Indian Ocean about a year prior to that. And um, he he's like, okay, I need a big fly. It's got to be light. I'm throwing her on a, uh, I think it was a six-aught hook. And, um, so, you know, there was a lot of complicated factors in that. Lightweight, six-aught hook, you know, big pop and being easy to cast right so um i designed like a crease popper and i stuck a uh, a t-bead that's for traditional like um wire leader type lures and uh, what it did was it flared out the front of the crease popper and made a nice lightweight popper essentially a t-bead yeah it's um yeah, it looks like a bell like, like letter t or like i'm having a spot of t yeah, no, is it, it the letter T? T bead. I get a whole bunch of memes pop up. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, I think the store that I bought those from too is like uh, Lure Parts Online or something. Oh, uh, you know what? I'll spell it bead with two E's. That'll. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's it's, not it's the Lagunitas. <laughs> and then it changes it to T beef. Oh, come on. All right. Tea beads for the love of glass. Okay. It's like a little ice cream cone looking thing. Yeah. It's neither really beadish because it's not round. It's not T-shaped. But I'll go with it. All right. So you stuck one of those on it and that solved the problem? Yeah. I just jammed it in the face of it and it flared it out and it created a nice pop. And um, you got it. The crease popper itself has to be almost flush with the shank of the hook and um it worked out great fun and your materials what are you making out of so you've got a stencil which is probably just a hard plastic um yes i do have a stencil it's the uh, fly skins fly stencil and the whole idea behind it is um you can use it with any material essentially i wanted to make it a little easier for folks um to, to make stuff essentially that that's kind of my thought process behind all my materials i want to make fly tying fun and kind of you know crafty so to speak but make it where it's still their own so so people could pick a material uh trace it with the stencil and then just cut it out and it makes it makes life a lot easier versus freehanding it or or whatever and another cool thing you can do with those is you can design the fly to do what you want right so, like, if you took, like, the crawfish stencil, you know, I could line up the claws on a piece of foam and then make the foam claws, and then I could cut the shell or whatever else out of, like, exoskin or leather or whatever the case may be, and then that way you can get the fly to ride however you want. Is that exoskin, uh, like, a silicon-based? No, it's actually latex. It's a latex. textured latex, and um, I, I manufacture it myself. How about that? You're impressing me more and more. <laughs> so it, it's very difficult um, it's, to. It, it took me. It took me literally about six months to figure out the right formula uh, and and way to develop that um, before it w- I was successful with it. That's fantastic. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, and it, the challenge, you know, there were days where I was thinking, "Man, what am I doing?" So, <laughs> and then. One day, literally one day, I was like, you know what? You know, I took a chemistry class once, and, and I, uh, I did some research, and I was like, I should have done this earlier, and then I figured it out. <laughs> That's really cool. And is that your preference to cut things out of? 
exoskin, uh, it really is. And, you know, obviously it's a little bit because I make it, right? And I've I've gotten used to using it. And that's, um, it's just a very diverse material. Um, It's almost like a, like another piece of, it's almost, you you know, Dr. Seuss, the need? Yes. It's kind of like that to me. And um, I feel like, you know, and you've, you've probably seen on Instagram, you know, you can make a small nymph with it. I can make a crayfish. I can make a almost like a hollow-bodied frog uh, with it, just gluing it over foam with some super glue and then cutting around uh, the foam and making a cool shape. Do you it's have almost a like, super glue preference? Um, actually, any super glue will really work. I like the Loctite brand. Uh, Hairline covers that as well. Brushable or squeezed with a drip tip? Um, I like the I like the the one where you just squeeze it out. It's got that um, the stuff the little levers on the side. I guess. Yep. The little red thing. Yep. And you've got enough time if you get those disposable paintbrushes. You can just kind of work it around, um, and then you literally lay the exoskin right on it, and it pretty much it's an instant bond. So you got to be quick, be ready for it. How and many then, colors of the skin do you make? I currently have eighteen. Uh, that was that was the first go around too. Any uh, custom ones? Like I need a patriotic red, white, and blue for July Fourth. You know, I could do that for you if you really wanted. Nice. <laughs> and um, I don't have a. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have that one right now. But um, I do. Uh, I do have six new colors though coming out. Uh, I, I can't really give out too many details, but because uh, they're not, it's not released yet. But um, until the new catalog through hairlines released to the dealers but i'm looking forward to that that's better than when you were like 13 and a playboy would come to someone's house <laughs> i look forward to the hairline catalog like there's no tomorrow yeah it's uh it's pretty exciting and you know uh those guys at hairline they do so much work and it's amazing what they do and um Working with them has been absolutely incredible. I, I couldn't ask for a better company to Every, work with. Everything's consistent you get from them. They're always there to answer questions. You're right. And you know what I love about it, too? Um, I, I love I love um, consistent products, like, like you're saying. And to know that I get to be part of that, um, you know, it's somewhat, somewhat uh, gratifying to know that I'm part of it. And then it's also, there, there's a little bit of pressure there, right? And uh, what it, I think what it does is it, it makes me better to to make sure that I, I, I push out a quality product. They think of you so highly at hairline.com, you're on the left side twice. <laughs> Under new products, and then at the bottom, fly skins. You know, I, I mean, it, you know, I think it was the first year I started working with them was with, I think it was three years ago now. Um, you know, it was just, I was... I was truly blessed to have met some people in the industry, and I met the right people right away. I think, and um, I had a, I had a notebook full of ideas then, and I, I got fortunate enough to talk to those guys on the phone, and I told them what I was doing and what I could do, and um, so, and they were like, well, we see samples every day, um, <laughs> so, you know, there was that. Okay, a little, well, a little bit of hesitant, like, oh, sure, you've got the new thing that's going to change it all. Right. And then, and then like, uh, damn. So I was, you know, I was like a little nervous, but confident that I I'm, I, I think I can do this. And um, fortunately, you know, I felt like I had the, the right stuff at the right time. And, um, you know, you just never know what the market's going to do, too, or what's going to pique people's interests. Um, so it's all a gamble. But, you know, eventually somebody will see it somewhere and then it just spreads like wildfire sometimes, you know, this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. 
Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's the inspiration for some of your flies? You just, you know what? I saw a really cool beetle the other day. I'm going to go home, create that. Or do you see a different kind of crayfish? Where do some of these patterns? Because if we go to your Instagram, fly skins, like I said, it, yep. there's always something new and novel. Uh-huh. What is, yeah. are you just trying to just match everything out there? Pretty much. Yeah. That's, uh, so where sometimes I'll, uh, you know, I'm not even close to a, a good trout stream where I live. So, but occasionally I'll, I'll be in a trout mood, so to speak. So I'll make something that's trout related because I got buddies that do it and then I'll, I'll ship them some flies and, you know, let them try it out. And, uh, but yeah, down, down South here, there's a lot of big bugs and cool, gnarly things around creatures. And, um, so whether I'm going for a run or, or just, you know, walking through a parking lot, if I see something, uh, near water and I, I, I think a fish would eat it. Um, that's what I want to make. I don't know. <laughs> What's the most bizarre fish you've caught on some of your materials? You know, for me, it was it was the bowfin. Um, I still never seen one in the wild. One of my clients, we call him uh, Francis, because mm-hmm. his name is very similar to the writer of the national anthem. Uh, uh-huh. He's got them all all down near Richmond. Yeah, he's got to do a road trip. Yeah, and the, the further south you go, I think the the more there are. Um, they're just they're prehistoric, you know, and they, a lot they get a bad name, and I, I think uh, I think that's pretty sad actually because uh, they are so aggressive and fun, and sometimes they're easy to catch, and sometimes they're the biggest challenge, mostly for hookup because um, so they're bony of a head. Yeah, and and they have a very distinct uh, hit when they hit. It's um, it can be a, like a sharp tick, almost like a double tap, and then like you just got jabbed twice in the neck, and then uh, there's then there's that subtle takeaway. They'll they'll do this thing where if you I've had a bait fish pattern on and in the winter, and and they'll just pick it up. You just let it sit there almost. You don't do anything. You give it a couple of twitches when you first throw it out there and let it sit, and then all of a sudden your line will be start moving away from you. And don't typically they flare that, their gills. Um, something I've read that they just kind of sit there, flare their gills, and then lunge. Yeah, they do. They do. They uh, and they, you know, most of their tail is or their body is tail almost. There's so much fin there. Uh, they just have so much power. It's it's pretty awesome. What's the hook you prefer to use on your flies? I imagine a bowfin needs a pretty serious hook. You're right. Uh, so the there's. The brand Arex, A H R E X, they've been uh, they they're pretty new essentially for for hooks as far as that I've known. Um, Hairline sells those as well. There is a like a nickel plated um, hook, and it, so it's like a you know that black color. It's pretty cool looking, but they make that gamorous hook. Um, I think it. Let me the pull genus one of uh, scud, freshwater scud, gamorous. Pretty much. Yep. Yep. And it's. But it's a, their gamrises over um, in Europe are slightly larger than ours. So, you know, when they're size two or size one, uh, might be like some like a one aught or maybe even a two two aught um, hook. So, but it's got a really wide gape. So that particular and a short shank and those those hooks I've had great success. Uh, hooking up on bow fins with those, so I'll, I'll even tie like a big grasshopper pattern off that thing, um, and I've caught lots of bow fin on big hopper patterns, even frogs, and um, they seem to really love tiny bait fish about two inches in length uh, in a chartreuse and white color. And the materials hold up to the fish? They do. Um, so. They, you know, you might get two ten pounders on one, and but they might be done after that. Their their teeth are pretty pretty gnarly. I'll take two ten pound fish for a fly, right? Yeah, it's worth yeah, it to me. Oh yeah, 
yeah those they'll they'll tear it up and i um they're so slimy so you got to be careful uh, when you grab them. Uh, they do have this cool um pocket in between uh, it, right in the center of their chin on the bottom gular plate Yes, and it's perfect for sliding your finger under to grab it. So it doesn't go into the gills. Don't whatever you do, don't stick your finger in their gills. I did that by accident, and uh, it's sharp. That fish surprises me constantly. What mm -hmm. what uh, what vice are you tying these on? Uh, so I have a peak vice. I actually, uh, it's funny how I got my vices. I I was driving. Me and a buddy of mine were doing a road trip north on, in Colorado from Colorado Springs. We were going um, to an Umpqua festival or something. I can't remember. Uh, essentially, uh, we we knew the guy uh, that invented the peak vice. Um, we knew about him, and we knew. I looked it up, and we saw where we he, he worked out of. I guess, and it, it turned out it was his shop. Um, and his name is eluding me right now. I don't know why, uh, but. We stopped there, and he just so happened to be there, and I was talking to him, and um, he was really cool, and I ended up buying a couple off of him right there. That's not normal, though. You shouldn't do that, because that was probably uh, a... <laughs> it's like a crack dealer, you know, give you a little sample. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't expecting that to happen, I don't think, but it just, you know, I, I was I just knocked on the door, and I was like, wait a second, this, this is, we shouldn't be here, maybe. <laughs> so... But Do you need a certain type of thread, something that's not going to cut through the material when we're using it? For, uh, for if the, we're using the, uh, the skin. You know what? It's it's so durable. Uh, realistically, there's no issues with any thread at all cutting through it. Um, I use Vivis. I really love it because the, the, the size to strength ratio is super strong. Um, the 6-aught or 3-aught is pretty common for me to use. Um, and then 8 aught and lower to 16 aught, I'll use for really small flies. And so we're going over your glue. Any other tools you might need, like for cutting the material out? Exacto knife, sharp scissors. Uh, absolutely, sharp scissors. Um, it makes the, me think of the Seinfeld when they're cutting the pudding tops with the Exacto knife. Imagine. Sounds, sounds dangerous. Yeah. Well, no, it ended up in Jerry's neck. It was oh. terrible. And then he had to get, spoiler alert, then he had to get Kramer's blood from a transfusion for the blood Kramer was keeping in his fridge. That's <laughs> Seinfeld. I missed that one. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, do you have a preference for scissors? I kind of like the new Loon ones. They're really sharp. They're heavy. Absolutely. Those those by far are my favorite. The uh, uh, Matt Callies, that's the guy that uh, is the R&D guy for... Um, for loon um i've had a i've had a pretty cool uh relationship with him as far as talking about ideas and and some other things in the past and you know of course he can't reveal secrets to me just like i can't with him for a lot of stuff because you know he works for loon but um you know we'll be talking about man it'd be really cool if there was this thing out there or that thing and when i was so excited when he um was telling me about their scissors coming out because I, I think their tools to me are super high quality and um, they make those razor scissors, like you said, they're super heavy. They feel good in your hand, like a kind of like a good weapon almost, you know. And um, if you look real close to the blade, you see miniature serrations in the blade. And I think that actually helps with the control when I'm cutting the exoskin. I can cut, you know, around a corner and uh, I can do really good detail with it. Do you think someone's got to have a good hand? I mean, like my daughter's supposed to be cutting shapes out at school. Can I give her the stencil and have her secretly work for me? Yeah, if you wanted to, I, I think to child, child labor laws don't don't kick in unless they're like uh, six or under. I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the sharp scissors on her hands. The tip. That's up to you. That's up to you. You should progress progressively uh, work that up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what about the the mice bits? I'm talking about those. Yeah. How did uh, you come up with little itty bitty parts that you could add to a mouse? You know, that that's funny. Um, so I was actually working with the guys at Fly Fish Food. Uh, we were um, – I had several patterns uh, that I had developed. Um, I had some – those fish fins or whatever, and um, they wanted to work together and, and basically finalize the fish fin uh, pattern, what it is today. And 
Um, they're super cool guys. They we we went back and forth on a couple ideas of the pattern, and um, they they were helping me when I was first starting, essentially with fly skins. And uh, so I, I owe a lot to those guys for really like you know promoting my products and whatnot. And they were like, man, it'd be cool if you had like mice parts too. And then I said, okay, well, let me just draw it up real quick. And then, you know, and it was pretty much instant. Um, I came up with the, the mice bit pattern, and um, I got to making the material for it. Do you tie those in, and do you, does it have to be, like, a, a hair mouse? Do you do it between stacking hair? Can you do well, other materials, like a foam mouse, Mr. Hanky? Yeah, no, I've, I've done a foam mouse, and, and the foam mouse is pretty simple. You just cut a slit in the foam, and you glue that sucker in there with some super glue. Um, and then the same with the, the deer hair style. Uh, if you just part the hair and then just kind of jam it, jam the leg in there and then put a little super glue in there and kind of press and hold, and it's it's there. That thing ain't going anywhere. Do you ever get your hand glued to flies? Well, I usually use tools uh, to keep my fingers away, but I will, I will get – enough super glue on my hands to, to make it look like skin's molting sometimes. Um, but I use it like a series of like metal picks or toothpicks. I keep tons of toothpicks around because they're disposable. I can use it for super glue or mix an epoxy or whatever. Now for the other, how'd you come up with the shapes for that as opposed to all the curly stuff? I mean, yeah, a mouse, did you just like think of like a cartoon? It looks like a cartoon almost. The mouse? Yeah, if you – I look at the outline yeah. online, it looks like – it's very cartoonish to me. Yeah, it's yeah. It's almost cute, I would say. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I see what you're saying. Um, no, so that – what's funny is I actually – I did a, like a Google image search, image search, and um, I, I just looked at pictures of mice. You type in mice feet or mice ears or, or whatever, and I kind of – I basically took a bunch of the photos, and I came up with something that – was in between all of them and, and just came up with something that was hopefully more universal than anything. I'm going to throw this out there. Did you come across a certain image when you Googled mouse ear that was a mouse in a Petri dish? <laughs> I, I might have found... With the uh, ear growing out of it? There, you know, there might have been, and there was I, I believe there were some that were looked like they were in a lab somewhere. So oh, yeah. some There's, of them might, might have been dead. You can definitely Google a mouse with a human ear growing out of its back. Yeah, squeamish. Yeah, <laughs> that, that may have come up. I think it did actually. What about the the tails, the different the, curls on them? Do you cut them to have different action to make different sound? Yeah, so the slow roller tail was one of the first tails that I came up with. Um, you know that thing, that was all based on a concept of something that didn't exist, right? And that was I wanted a tail that would have action with very little movement because, you know, there's a lot of tails on the market that you've got to really rip through the water to get any action or they have to be very large. So based on the thickness of the materials from size, there's different sizes, right? Um, so the smaller ones, I had to use a thinner material. The larger ones are a little thicker. And um, it, based on the, the hydrodynamics of it, um, it is how I created the tail and where you can you can just kind of barely move that thing, and that thing's just going to go nuts, kind of look like a leech almost. And um, I think one of the cool parts is like I have the spiked version and then the smooth version. The spiked version, you know, you can tie like a helgramite out of it or just a paleo. Cut it to pieces and use each different part. Yeah, yeah. And you can even make paleo worms. Uh, a lot of tarpon fishermen I've uh, have caught on to the fact that the slow roller tail is a gem for tarpon fishing because the red one the red spiked one and the the purple black and white that they really like the action of it i've had a tarpon when i went to belize once um i mean go 12 feet out of its way just to just to come hit the fly that it was on um unfortunately i haven't i have not been successful at landing a tarpon yet i'm still working on that part oh me too so. There's no tarpon in the D.C. area, so... <laughs> yeah. We were supposed to go to Miami next week. Well, there you go. But we're going to Nashville instead. It just happens to be when the eclipse is going to pass right through there. Yeah, just keep... Make sure you're uh, you're wearing those glasses, you know? Absolutely. 
<laughs> yeah, they're giving them out here at the Air and Space Museum and a couple eyeglass stores. So I got to roll out tomorrow. I'm still not. I'm not sure that I want to look at look at it even with the glasses. I, I it kind of it's kind of intimidating. I think I'd rather keep my eyes. I got to tie a bunch more, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eyes are. Some, my wife will drop something. She's like, "Can you find it?" I'm like, "My job is to look for little things, <laughs> beads and hooks well, on the floor." It's all about keeping that purpose, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to wear reading glasses yet when I tie. I tried it one night and it was fantastic. I could really see everything I was tying. Uh huh. And I was like, "I'm not. I'm not ready for this." Yeah, so, that can be. That, that's going to be one of those days that I, I'm not going to be excited if I have to throw some on. I. I I don't know. I know a lot of guys do, and some guys do it even if you know when they're tying the super small bugs. But I, I usually tie big enough bugs I don't have to squint. If I lived in Colorado, I'd probably be wearing them already. Yeah, you'd have to. Uh, you, sometimes you can't catch a fish. Eighteen is too big of a size. Yeah, not a problem out here. No, definitely not. East Coast, East Coast. There's bigger bugs, I think. Yes. Uh. Strangest creature you've tied up? Um, I think that my swamp thing fly, the the one with the spiked tail and the, it's almost like a jig looking fly. I put it on a jig hook and um, it's got some rubber legs hanging off of it and some shaggy dubbing and it doesn't look like anything really except for like a leech and I don't know, it just has a lot of movement. I think that's the key to its success. Looking for that one. Purple? Yeah, it's a purple one in the video. I think I did it. I got a video on that one, too, in YouTube. Okay. I saw a huge bass called in a purple like that. Purple uh, Senka worm the other day. Yep. A purple with little specks in it. Yep. That's a great, great color. Uh, purple's purple's like, like an olive, almost, to me. Uh, it's equally uh, diverse and useful. So I'm looking at the crab picture on your website. Can you use markers to mark up the material? Yeah, so uh, I use Copic markers uh, to mark the exoskin, give it some, whether I want to like fade in a, in, a, in a different piece of material with it or just give it some highlights. And it'll stay on there pretty good. If you stretch the material and, and um, mark it, it actually will stick even better. But um, you know, it's it's very difficult to mark anything on exoskin. So, um, but the key the key is, you know, sometimes I keep markers with me if I want to achieve, you know, some some sort of diverse uh, thing on on the go. When I wore a fishing vest back in the day, I used to keep a sharpie, a black one, mm-hmm. just for marking things up. But I don't do that anymore. No, it, you know, a lot of saltwater fishermen will tell you, too, if you go to a like a new location or whatever, always bring a marker with you because the guides, they can be very picky, um, and they want to mark up your flies. I like the Stained by Sharpie. Mm-hmm. They're really cool. They don't have huh. to be uh, ironed into yeah. fabric. They don't come mm-hmm. in as many colors as I'd like, but, yeah, chartreuse, purple, black, orange, bright green, yeah. red. Yeah, you know, um, that's one. That's one reason I really like Copics is because of the uh, the color range and the natural colors uh, that come with it. Where do you get to test these out? Do you have water in your home? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm a lot of fishing that I do. If I want to get some in before, or I mean after work, I usually don't get to go before, but um, after work, uh, I can walk. Uh, right down the road and I've got ponds and swamps and all kinds of stuff and um, we got a few rivers even within just three miles one way five the other and um, I've got a big wildlife refuge called Banks Lake uh, nearby and then I've got um, uh, I can go to Florida I can fish the famous Lake Seminole in about an hour and a half this on the Florida and, and Georgia border um, I can go up north and fish like uh, Lake Lanier, Lake Oconee in a couple hours. So it's actually there, and I can fish for stripers up there or big largemouth or uh, what white about the tailwaters. You got a couple tailwaters down in Georgia. There are, and you know I haven't actually fished um, any tailwaters for trout yet there. And it, 
because I because I, I lived in Colorado prior to moving to Georgia, and I fished so many trout streams. I, I, I kind of got burned out, to be honest with you. That's terrible. Yeah. I don't know if I get tired of trout. Maybe because I don't get to fish them as much. Yeah, you know, and, and there is something appealing about trout fishing because, um, you know, you, you can go nymphing or, or streamer fishing or, um, you know, fish your good terrestrial patterns, spend on the time of the year. And you, you, the thing about trout fishing, I feel like it's pretty predictable for the most part. You're going to catch a brook brown or rainbow. It's just the size that's going to vary. Yeah, and, and not to mention... Uh, the fly fishing industry has uh, is it, I, I would be willing to throw this number out. Eighty percent of the the fly fishing industry is probably trout fishing, right? So there's so many flies out there that are focused on that, like you know, in in the names of them, and everybody knows what to throw, what time of year, um, and you know, you could pick up a rock and you can see instantly, hey, this is this is what's out there right now, and I could just chuck this out there. Um, nymphing is probably the most effective way to trout fish, to be honest with you. And um, I, I, I just found it pretty easy after a while, and it, it just didn't seem as challenging, I guess. Is that why you moved to Georgia? That was no, the big I moved, thing. <laughs> no, no, I moved to Georgia uh, for work. But uh, you, th- these fish down here, I feel like if, if you were to come fish with me, you know, and you, we went out to the swamp. I mean, there are days out there you, you'll catch a good day, to be honest with you, could be five fish. Um, and then some, you know, I've caught up to, you know, 10, 20 day fish, but, or 20 fish a day. Um, but it's, it is very difficult. And um, these fish, I feel like they're pressured so much by uh, their predators like alligators and birds and, and big snapping turtles the size of trash can lids and, and you got All the snakes. And snakes, yeah. And, that sounds and, uh, a, little, a little risky to go fishing. Right? Well, that's part of the challenge. I think that's what makes it exciting. <laughs> you, you come back with all your digits and no venom in you. It was a good day. You're right. And, you know, uh, when I first started fishing down here, the scariest thing to me was holding the fish over the water and taking oh. a photo. Oh, because like a gator will jump out? Well, yeah, because um, I've been trolling along on my boat, and I'll – you know, I'll look down and I'll see something, and I'm like, "What is that?" And then all of a sudden, you know, six feet of water just moves like instantly, and it's a big old gator. So, you know, I'm very cautious uh, of my surroundings uh, when I'm doing that types of thing. I think I got to add gators to the list of animals I'm scared of. The last podcast we talked about cobras and tigers. <laughs> Those are both no-nos for me. Yeah. Well, you know, what's cool is. Uh, well, maybe not for some folks, but I've been I've been out in the deep parts of the swamp out here, and I heard this thing, this noise that you'll never, you, you can never forget it. It was a crack, like a tree breaking or whatever. And I look over, and there's a gator. I'm not kidding, with a turtle in its mouth, and it had just busted its shell open. Oh, I mean, it was goodness. just, it was crazy. And then, you know, I was like, I was in awe. I wanted to get the camera, so like. I'm trolling around all these cypress trees and, and I'm bumping into logs just trying to get close and I'm trying to get a, a picture and then I got like jammed up and and then he did it again. He, he ate another turtle. I don't even know how he got it. And um, it was it was incredible. It was like watching National Geographic. You ever find anything crazy out in the swamps? You mean like bodies or something? You never know. <laughs> no. Old artifacts? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, and I... I think that would be kind of difficult uh, in these swamps. They're, the the water's so tannic and dark. Some days you you can't see hardly anything in there, and um, I, I haven't seen anything in the trees either, like arrowheads or anything like a that. A parachute with a body just hanging from it. No. Stories about that in the Amazon that no, people I've, parachute out of trees and get caught in the canopy and just die up there. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. 
No, thankfully I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to find a body either. Yeah, me either. I think that would um, that might would ruin the location for me. I picked up a trapdoor snail today because I thought it was alive, and I put it in my aquarium. They're they're really big. Andrew Zimmern ate them once on a show. Yeah. Yeah, this thing was dead, and it was one of the most horrendous things I've ever smelled, and it was that small. <laughs> I don't want to find a corpse. No, I wouldn't either. Do you have any bucket list places that you're like, you know what, I really need to go to this place to try out my, my products? You know, I I do. I have like, several. I need Belize, you know. <laughs> I, I need to go there, and uh, you know, I so, need to go up to Nova Scotia. Yeah, those all sound good. In fact, everywhere would be on my bucket list, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, I've really had a fascination. Uh, you know, River Monsters was a, a favorite show of mine. And um, the Goliath tigerfish seemed pretty gnarly. And um, I, I think that would be exciting. Um, I, I'd like to find a location to go fish for Arapaima. Um, and I think... Like Christmas Island is definitely on that list for GTs. So I, I've fished for GTs. They're so strong. I mean, they're just incredible fish. And um, I, I would love to land like a hundred pounder on on a fly. It's just <laughs> that's a lot of work. It is, and you know, it's all it's almost like doing a a race or something where it's you're punishing yourself and halfway through you're, you're asking yourself why you're doing it but then when you're done you know why you did it you know my neighbor the other day we had dinner over at their house and he ran 13 was it 13.1 so he's training uh -huh. for a marathon and it was hot and nasty and i'm like that doesn't sound pleasurable i told him if there's something i wanted to train for in life it'd be a taco eating contest where yeah. i could just write off as an excuse that i could eat tacos every day there you go and eat a lot of yeah. them, but uh, yeah, 26.2 miles to train for is not pleasurable sounding to me. No, marathons are tough, that's for sure. I've only done one, but uh, I used to do triathlons a lot, and um, and I was yeah, that was my passion before I went full-time fly fishing, essentially, with my new passion, so to speak. I imagine there's a lot of just time to think when you're training to doing that, to come no, up with stuff, but you have nothing to write on because you're running. You're right. Well, sometimes I'll, I'll think about an idea for weeks before I even write it down because I feel like I need to perfect it in my head first. <laughs> How many iterations of a fly d does it take before you finally are satisfied? I would say never. Um, <laughs> I think sometimes I, I, I'll tie a fly that is it works perfectly fine. I'll catch a lot of fish, and then I'll still change it. Um, I think that's the beauty of it, too, is okay, well, what if I did something different? Will it make it even more effective? Um, there are some that I'm, I, I pretty much keep the same, but I, eventually I will switch it up, and, I, and then I realize that, hey, I should have just left it alone too. Just revert back? Yep. Yeah, I had a dragonfly that I've been fishing for a while. It took probably about two dozen iterations before I was happy with what I have now. I just yeah. need to find a better hook for it. Yeah, I, I actually I tie I'm tying some secret dragonflies right now that I haven't shared yet, um, and I've been tying them on on those um, Arex shrimp hooks. It's like a real light thin wire, um, and you can do part of the tail on the way back, and it actually uh, it works out really great. It's got a good bend to it, so to speak. <laughs> you have a uh, like a preference for for rods or lines to throw your patterns. Uh, you know, I really love Scientific Angler. Uh, it's one of my favorite um, brands out there. I've I fished some others, and I've, I've not been that successful. I've, I've, I go through a lot of gear. I'm pretty hard on it. Um, but Scientific so Angler. So to speak. So to speak. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a, a conscious effort to not do that. I'll, I'll calm it down. It's okay. No, so the... Uh, Man, you're throwing me off now. The uh, scientific angler, their textured line. Um, I, I can't really think of the the particular. I think the shark wave is one of them. I really like that one. Uh, and they also make that. It's like a pond line. It's clear. I like, I like clear it. floaters a lot. Yes, and most of the clear line I found are slightly intermediate anyway. But clear floating are beautiful. 
to me, especially the for around here. We have very skittish warm water bass, it seems like. Is that a year-round season you get with them? It is. Um, but what's funny is those the bass here, the, the water temperatures when it's like 72 or something up north you'd be like wow you know they should be active and all that well they shut down here they they seem really active between 85 and 95 degree water temperatures all right that sounds sounds crazy but um they they love that warmer temperature and and back to the gear i mean no the temperatures uh you got a real preference to throw your line I do. I, I love Lamson. Lamson's probably one of my favorite reels out there, uh, real brands. I like the liquids uh, because they, you, I could buy like the liquid. I think it's a 3.0 I buy, and it's good for like a, between a 6 and 9 weight, I think, and um, or six and 6 and 8 maybe it is. And I like the fact that I could throw three different lines on a spool and be ready to fish you know i could put my intermediate float and full sink on there and i i don't have to carry as much so to speak so to speak there it is again <laughs> dang <laughs> are you drinking lagunitas as well i am i am partaking in a beverage yes good uh let's see what else anything else i think we've covered most of my questions and i've been just looking at you for a while seeing you in the catalog and figure this is probably the best platform to get all my questions answered yeah, yeah, keep shooting, man. I'm, I'm good. Uh, I was gonna ask you. Um, I feel like I feel like I don't know your Instagram, so maybe I, I should be oh. checking yours out too. So it's just at Rob Snow White, and okay. one, one W and Snow White, and uh, of course the wife hasn't taken the name, and the dog back here is listed under her name. Yeah, she doesn't have a sense of humor. The dog or the wife? The wife. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, I don't know. He ate all my fish food the other day. He's down here. He's poking at the bucktails right now. Oh, keep him away. They'll tear him up. Yeah. I've got know, a he, dog. His teeth are falling out, so he can't really chew up too much. Oh, there you go. You're good then. Yeah. Get him some funny dog dentures. There you go. <laughs> Look like Larry King. Maybe I can make him some. Yes. <laughs> that could be your your new niche. Also, is his skin's teeth. I don't. I don't. If I had any more niches, I'm going to have problems. <laughs> Do you have, like, so my next pot, well, the podcast before this one is going to be about my tying room and how I organize it. It's my problem. Do you have yeah. a dedicated place in your house that you do all of this? Uh, I have to because I feel like I've got a fly shop's worth of material in my house. Um, so, yes, I, I definitely have a, my own room. I have an old kitchen table that I tie on. I need that much space. <laughs> I've got uh, some cameras and lights and things set up on it, and uh, I've got some shelving units with a supercomputer uh, and and some machines and all kinds. Of, it's like a laboratory. All right. Do you hopefully have yours cleaner and more organized than mine? No, probably not. Um, mine will... I'll tie maybe 20 different patterns and it'll be a complete wreck. And then like literally where I'm digging around on the, on the table looking for some, some other type of material that I know that I left out from previous, uh, a previous fly. And then, um, and then I decide, okay, I, I need to, I need to stop and clean this. So then it takes me a couple hours to reorganize it. And then I, as I'm cleaning, I see a material that I haven't used in a while. I'm like, Oh, I could make that. Nice. <laughs> And speaking of Instagram, where can they follow you? Yeah, so you just you can go, you can see what's going on on the website. You can go to Instagram, just type in Flyskins, or you can go to the Facebook page. The Facebook page is uh, flyskins.com as well, though. It's, it's a .com on there. I'm not sure why I did that. I should have just called it Flyskins, like everything else. Um, and um, Did you call it a Skins you know, with a Zeke? Are you a millennial? Uh, I I did do that, and there was a reason. It was just to be different, and I guess maybe that is a maybe that is a millennial thing. Um, and then, you know, most of my most all my current stuff, I usually use Instagram uh, first. It's just easier, and then I'll use the Facebook page, and the the web page follows behind that. But 
all my YouTube videos, um, if you just type in fly skins, you'll see all the videos pop up. And I tag, I tag or, or hyperlink, so to speak, the videos so that it pops up easier when you're doing a search for it. Fantastic. So while I'm looking at your site, you got the big crayfish. What's your preference for the eyes on that? Um, those I actually make myself. So I'll use like 30-pound uh, monofilament, and I'll get – I'll take this is a little trick. I'm gonna I'm gonna share a tip here. Okay? Nice. I take a big block of wood and I drive some big four inch nails into it, and I'll do it uh, about three inches apart, and then I'll tie mono to one of them and I'll wrap it around a whole bunch of times, and then you can hot knife it or just cut it, and then you can make a whole bunch of the the lengths you need. Yeah. And and then I I put them in a little bowl, and then I have a bowl of water on the other side. And I'll light a candle, and I'll just literally pick up two at a time, singe them, throw them in the water, singe them, throw them in the water. And then I've got the pre-burned uh, tipped ones, and then I'll mix up um, some uh, five-minute epoxy with some glitter. And you can add the best paint out there for this is uh, airbrush paint. And you mix one little teeny tiny drop of whatever color you want, and, and you can get really good coloring with the glitter and it. It just works out great for me. And then I take um, – I got my drying wheel, right? Um, and I've, I've built another drying wheel, a massive one. And I take uh, – you ever go to the hobby store and you see that green foam? With, yes. Uh, okay, so you get that green foam, right? You glue that sucker to your wheel. And then as – just to speed the process up, like you can make – I've made about 500 eyes in a matter of a couple hours. And – you just swirl the burnt end in, and then you stab that mono right into that green foam. And it goes so fast. You, you'd be amazed how many eyes you can make. Huh. And the reason I'm curious about eyes is I just got glass shrimp for my aquarium. Yeah. And because they're clear, I can never find them. So I look for their little dumbbell eyes. Yeah. And it looks exactly like the one you have here. Yeah. On your crazy yep. That's how you do it. And you can, you know, if you just add the glitter to it, um, you know, it, it'll give you more of a clear appearance. But if you want that more, I, what I'm picturing when you say that is, is a more translucent look to it, um, you can do like a, a smaller drop of the epoxy first and then go back and just hit it with clear, a second coat of clear after that. Okay. Very nice. What's your uh, weed guard? poundage since i'm still looking at your fly your yeah the, uh, uh, 30 pound as well uh i use this i use pretty standard 30 pound um the, i don't know if you've seen the new way that i tie those have you seen that where i tie a loop and then i have I, I take a lighter and i hit the end of it and it makes almost like a pointed loop and i tie that into the where the bend of the hook is and then that way i don't reattach it near the eye and then when you when you stick it in your box, you could just jam it in the foam, and you don't have to worry about your weed guard getting jacked up. But, I like that. And then all you do is you do a closed loop knot when you tie your fly on, and you include the loop of the weed guard. And then that way, uh, you always have a weed guard that you can either use or not use. Now, the videos where you demonstrate this, are you doing those at home? Like you got a little movie studio set up by your. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's at my tying bench, so I have, like, the big table, and then I just have a bunch of lights everywhere, and I've got a camera on a tripod, and um, I just just do it up. And then I go over my computer right across, and uh, just start plugging away. Nice. Yep. I wish we had all this video stuff back in the day. I had to look at black and white stuff in books. Oh, I know. From the library. I think I figured that... figured it all out myself. Yeah, you know, YouTube is, is an amazing thing, that's for sure. You can fix cars with YouTube's, YouTube that you've never even touched before. <laughs> yeah, I, my in-laws will ask me how to do things, and I said, there's a YouTube tutorial on it, trust me. Right? And Absolutely. sure enough, there is. There's a YouTube tutorial on just about anything. <laughs> I get, you know, it's funny, I get a lot of requests for YouTube videos, and I fully intend on still living up to telling people that I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of time, and... Um, it's very sometimes I feel like um, I've done a very similar technique and I usually sometimes I'll tell people hey check this one out though it's very similar to that and in the hopes that they'll be able to figure it out 
not that I'm ignoring them, but the hopes that they figure it out so that I don't leave them hanging, so to speak. So to speak. <laughs> Dang it. I this might so, not be a, a drinking I've, game. For I people went so with long. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so some last questions. What should people's flies not have? Uh, Any, anything that a fly doesn't need? I don't. I don't know that you you can say that. And maybe toxic waste. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I guess it's up to the angler, right? Uh, some people think that flies don't need barbs and flies don't need plastics and flies don't need uh, whatever. You know, it's really up to the angler and the creativity uh, that they want to do or live by. Or That's maybe what my they... buddy says about scotch. He's like, it's your scotch, man. If you want to put ice cubes in it, go ahead. Right. If you want to you know, put distilled that's... water in it or drink it neat, it's your scotch. Right. And I, I don't. I don't like judging people based on what they put on their flies for the most part. I, I think it's pretty cool. A lot of the stuff that I do see now, I will admit that I did not like the mop fly at first. Right. Um, I just thought, man, that's just stupid. Right. It's, it's literally tied in mop and that, and there's a, but it's no different than chenille. And then there'd be a bead on it. And, uh, <laughs> but I used it the other day. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram. I used it for a hot spot on a, on a leech fly. I feel like I had to give in, you know. I see that stuff in different colors everywhere I go. Pinks, uh-huh. blues, orange, browns, yellows, golds. It's endless now. The amount of yeah. colors you can find them in. You're right. You're right. I think they're playing to us, too. Yeah. Somebody knows something. Well, my <laughs> new favorite thing is uh, this yarn I get from the Korean grocery store. Huh. And it makes the best little woolly bugger bodies you can imagine. It's like, like it's like Estaz, but instead of being 360 degrees, it's just one degree. It's like a synthetic oh, uh, hackle. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking 350 about. 350 feet for like 695. Mm-hmm. And every time I go, they've got different colors. Blacks, you know, blues, pinks, rainbows, chartreuses. Yeah. yeah, fly tire's worst enemy is, is Hobby Lobby or something. You know, you walk in there, you can't walk out without something. Yeah, I mean to go to the Michaels today when I was at my parents' house. I accidentally broke off their uh, their mailbox with my drift boat oar today. Second <laughs> time in three years. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the four-inch nail earlier. I was like, oh, yeah, I was dealing with the four-inch screws. Yeah, there you go. hope you saved so, some. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, yeah, Dad, I'll be back tomorrow with my drill. Nice. Well, I think I'm questioned out. We're about an hour. I'm sure you've got uh, things you want to do on a Wednesday yeah. evening. Well, I mean, you know, my, I'm going to actually tie some more flies before I hit the bed. Um, there's a, I'm actually tying up. There, so there's this infamous glow bug lure out there that I've heard of here that works good at night for bluegill. And um, I've got some cool floodlights and stuff on my boat now. And, um I'm planning on going out night fishing here during the full moon uh, coming up and see if I can hit a few two and three pound bluegill. That's my goal anyway. I'll tell you, and, you're going to eat. Last time we took my, I got a stealth craft. We went out at night. We'll do. We'll do. I, I usually wear a bunch of clothing out there anyway. We, we've got some pretty nasty bugs. I think mosquitoes need to just vanish off the face of the earth. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I think those and fire ants. <laughs> Don't have those up here, but I'm just glad ticks don't have wings. Right? Yep. yep. All right, well, very cool. Uh, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. And anything else you want to well, let I people d- know how to find you, buy your stuff, any people that help you you want to mention? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I can't thank Caroline enough and, and a lot of the other guys. That, uh, there's so many people I've met in the industry that have helped me out. Um, you know, I, I, they know who they are. I, I can't, I try to thank them as much as I can even, you know, give them shout out on Instagram or, um, Facebook and whatnot. And, you know, Loon's been there for me. Um, recently I've been working with, uh, the Deer Creek guy as well. Um, uh, Nicholas Wright, David Highs, um, so many shops out there that have supported me. The guys at Fly Fish Food, um, Cheech. Cheech. Met Cheech up at Somerset. 
Yep. Yep. You coming to yep. Somerset next year? Uh, I won't, unfortunately. I'm I'm going to be at the Atlanta show again, so okay. if you want to come to that, see me. I, I'm more than willing to talk to you and stop by and show you how to tie something or maybe show you something, a technique or something that I haven't had a chance to do a video on. Um, and I, I'm planning on in about a year. I'm probably going to do a lot more shows and whatnot. So uh, my future is 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 going to change slightly here shortly. So right. um, no, I, I, I there's so many people to mention out there. Uh, to thank and um, I feel really grateful to be part of the fly fishing uh, world and uh, I'm looking forward to many more adventures I've got a lot of stuff that I still want to come out with <laughs> we'll look forward we'll do uh, episode number two uh, that'd be awesome hey I really appreciate it Rob right thank you for your support have a good evening dude alright you too thank thanks alright bye. Right, bye Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.